1: And welcome to another episode of the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast brought to you by Wild Edge Inc. If this is the first time you're listening to us, thank you for joining us. My name is Walter, and I'm your co host on all of these shows. And on this show, we do things a little differently where we, we just talk to people from all over the country, all over the world, from North America all the way to Africa. We, we share ex- we share experiences that, that uh, hopefully will encourage you to get outside and chase some of your dreams or maybe get you through a, a rainy day wherever you are in the country or between hunting seasons, whatever. We're hoping that we, we can uh, entertain you until you can get into the woods next time. This week's show, we talked to the owner and founder of New Breed Archery. That's Kyle Null. He is an incredibly down-to-earth fella that you can just tell he lives and breathes archery. And uh, I feel like maybe had, had I had the, the opportunities he had, he and I could have probably ended up quite similar with our, our expertise in, in, in archery, but nonetheless we share one extreme passion for archery. You know, if you've been listening to this show for any duration, you're aware that I am a diehard bow hunter. In fact I haven't picked up a gun in years because I'm determined to be the best bow hunter I possibly can and uh Kyle is a similar type of person. He he lives and breathes archery. He has since a young age He's fluctuated between traditional archery to, to compound archery. Uh, he started his own company, obviously new breed archery, and you can just kind of tell that he's just one of us. He's one of the guys that uh, is out there chasing his dream and he's, and he's doing it, uh, the only way he knows how, and that is to, to build archery products. And he dropped some really cool information, uh, about getting ready for bow season. If you're just now considering getting into bow hunting, um, he also discussed, and I know this is something that a lot of y'all enjoy, which is kind of how the different parts of the country and their and their deer hunting seasons go. I ask him a, how how bow hunting in Alabama is like, what it's like, what the rut is how the red is or when the red is down there and we just have a really good time just chatting like we were sitting across from a campfire from each other just sharing sharing tips and tricks and uh, it's a really fun episode I hope to have Kyle back on here shortly to tell some stories because if you if you follow his Instagram page or if you follow his Facebook page you you're it's very clear that Kyle has a great time in the outdoors and that's what we hope to bring uh is a teaser here tell you who Kyle Knoll is kind of talk a little bit about new breed archery uh towards the end but just bow hunting as a whole it, it was a great episode before we get to that we have to say thanks to our title sponsor Wild Edge Inc if you haven't already please check out the Wild Edge system it is the it is just an insanely simple and easy way to climb any tree uh it's what I'll be carrying into the fall this year and if it's something that you want to carry into the fall this year Use the promo code ChasingTails10, ChasingTails T A L E S 10 at checkout and that'll save you $15 on any set of steps. To put that into perspective, you can get a set of 6 steps and a bag for 95 bucks combine that with one of his aiders you're climbing any tree to any height that you're probably going to need to uh and there's even some more inventive ways to use them as well like the nader schwader so guys get out there check out wild edge inc www.wildedgeinc.com for more details I'm going to wrap up this intro and let y'all get on to the podcast, but before I do, I'm going to share a five-star review from Little157, and it says, I'm not a hunter by any stretch, but I love the outdoors, and Walt and his guests do a great job talking about hunting in a way that allows me to, to understand the culture and thought process surrounding it. Funny and informative. That's awesome. Little one fifty seven, I greatly appreciate you taking the time to leave that review. It warms my heart to know that that you're enjoying this podcast, uh, even as a non-hunter. That means you know we're doing something right, and I hope you're still listening. If you are, send me a screenshot or send me your address, and I'll be sure to add you to the list. I've got a roll of vinyl right here. I got a roll of uh, contact paper. The new decals are getting cranked out. We're gonna get them out the door to you guys. I, I apologize for the wait, but but they're coming. In the meantime, let's get on to the show. It is Labor Day weekend when we're recording this. I have got the weekend to myself. Uh, my wife is up in Atlanta enjoying a, a girls' night, and I am recording all the episodes for September and October this weekend. I'm getting it all out of the way.
2: Oh, awesome, man. Well, I thought you were going to say your wife was in Kentucky hunting. I'm like, dude, what happened? <laughs> anyway,
1: <yeah>. No, no. <laughs> anyway. yeah. I, I wish, but that's not the case, man. That's uh.
2: There you go. Well, I get it, man. It, uh, those are always the fun weekends. You sort of get time to prep up. Like, it sounds like you're doing some recordings, and you also get to prep all your hunting gear.
1: So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I got some, some new camo in I get to play with, and I'm going to get some scouting done every morning before, uh, before I, I get some yard work and other things around the house. So it's just nice to kind of have that little reset right before the season starts. Oh,
2: yeah, for sure. That's for sure.
1: Well, well, dude, I am certain that there are at least a couple of my listeners who do not know who you are why don't you give everybody kind of the cliff notes as to who Kyle Knoll is?
2: All right. Well, yeah, I'll definitely give you the, the, uh, short version. I'm that's about the best I can say. I can't make it long, but, uh, my name is Kyle Knoll. I'm the president and founder of new breed archery. We're an archery manufacturing company. We build, uh, all our bows right here in the U S and we are in the great state of Alabama, right, uh, right in the middle of it, actually. And just above Birmingham in Dale, Alabama. So, uh, we're we're not a i don't like to say we're small but i don't like to say we're large either we're just a good little custom-sized compound company that likes we like what we do we all hunt and shoot archery and uh decide to make some bows so it's worked out pretty well i actually started in my garage so some of some of them that do know me know that it actually started as a side project so uh anyway it's grown from there and now it's my full-time job and uh you know, I thank God every day that he lets me go out and uh, be able to do what I love to do. I, apparently, archery is my calling somewhere in there. So I'm very excited about that. And I'm an avid bow hunter, have been for uh, many years. Uh, I'm 45 this year, and I killed my first deer with a bow. It was actually with a recurve when I was 14. So uh, I got hooked ever since. Now, don't get me wrong, I used a gun uh, on and off through that through there for a little bit. But somewhere in about my early 20s i said this is it i'm bow hunting only and i'm not saying i don't pick up a gun but uh in fact my wife uh we've been married a pretty good while now and she's somebody said something the other day and uh she said i don't think i've ever seen you kill a deer with a gun so that i tell you that i tell you <laughs> where we're at so so anyway that's
1: awesome but, uh, dude yeah. yeah so
2: that gives you a little background to who i am and i'm a native alabamian um I've lived here. Uh, I wouldn't say all my life. I've moved around a little bit, but I've stayed southern. So I'm definitely a southern boy for sure.
1: So, well, that's awesome. That'll speak to the roots of of a, a large group of our listeners.
2: Oh yeah, awesome. Yeah, I, you know, I we are uh, the heart of Dixie, right? So that's it. Anyway, right
1: here. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's kind of cool. I didn't know this. But you you cut your teeth in traditional archery? Is that how you started?
2: I did. Uh, very fortunate. I grew up on a small farm uh in Gallion, alabama which is near demopolis alabama some of the folks that are in alabama will know this but that's the black belt section and uh i was very fortunate my it was a family farm um uh, i think i'm third or fourth generation in in the farming uh now it was sort of going the farming was going out about the time i got old enough to probably really be worked hard i sort of thought it was cool there for a while you know probably <laughs> about the time it was fixing to turn into real work uh my grandparents had done something different and my parents uh, had decided that we weren't we lived on the farm up until i graduated high school so we stayed there we just moved from dairy farming to soybeans and wheat so i guess i we still were a farm just a different kind of farm by the time i got to the really working stuff but my dad was a very hard worker uh farm child and i've got he had five uh brothers and sisters so you know big family big farm family and uh, we lived on the farm and he worked through that and went to college, and anyway, he taught me all the trade, though. We had several acres, and was able to do a lot of hunting, and uh, I wouldn't say a little bit of fishing on the farm. We had a couple of creeks, but no fish there, so he'd take me off to the Black Warrior River fishing, so I, I grew up pretty well getting to do that, so it was pretty fun and uh, very exciting.
1: That's awesome. It's funny yeah. how just how many people I think you have to I think now less so, but so many people my age and, and a little bit older, uh, cut our teeth with traditional archery yep. and, and, you know, jumped into compound from, uh, from that point. Um, I had a, a bear takedown that I saved up for about a summer mowing grass and, uh, cut my teeth with that recurve for about, uh, about two seasons and I didn't have any real good mentor and I was never consistent and it became a, a discouraging thing for me, but, uh, I went to compound and, uh, my my deer hunting mentor wasn't i'm sorry my my archery mentor wasn't a, uh, a hunter per se he was just a built you know built cedar cedar arrows and and flung them down range but by the time i met him he kind of had i wouldn't say that he had lost the passion for it but he was older and he was kind of ailing and and he talked about it a lot but it wasn't somebody i, I didn't ever uh, get any coaching from i've got his his recurve here in the corner I'm looking at it and I've always wanted to get back into it and starting this year I've slowly started to acquire some of the little things that I need it's not much but started to acquire some of the things that I need uh to get back into traditional archery and I think next summer I'm gonna start to dabble in that again and I imagine it won't be long before it consumes me
2: oh yeah man and so going back to that um I definitely got started traditional my dad had a recurve hanging on the uh on the wall and i mentioned that i grew up hunting and um it was just a tradition for us around our house and so he had a recurve and i i'd sort of you know bug him about it and uh know, i was like dad i really want to try that and he would he'd sort of say okay we'll get to it and then he discovered i was left-handed so uh, he's right handed (laughs) he discovered i was left-handed he's like well i'm gonna have to do something and um i think uh one of my first recurves was seriously like uh probably a sears model bear fox or something right um back and I was I was young he let me start shooting pretty early uh I was pretty fortunate and um uh, so I really dabbled a little bit there but uh I didn't get serious and and I so I got to give my dad some credit here and I, I think you know as I've become a dad I figured out what he's doing but I didn't know back then <laughs> but I think when I was hitting that 12 13 range you know he was starting to figure out hey I gotta, I gotta keep my kid at home you know and keep keep keeping clean you know and, and keep things going and so what um what he did was when I started asking about that recurve some more, he got into it pretty quick again. And so uh, he went out and got me a a little bit better recurve and I started shooting it. I think it was a bear takedown at that time. And uh, I was determined we were going to kill a deer and uh, he was determined for me. Um, I give him fair credit, but most of the hunting I had done up until that point had been uh, really gun hunting and sort of the traditional Alabama style of, Deer drives, and so we would go sit on on stakes, and basically uh our stands, I should say, we'd go stand there, and you know we'd have deer push to us, and we'd shoot one with a shotgun, and then we'd go clean it, and we'd have breakfast, you know. So that was sort of, and he didn't know. I mean, bow hunting, we had no clue. um Only some stuff I'd read, and so the first deer I ever shot with a with a recurve, he literally said, "Okay, go down there to stand number two And uh so this is sort of funny. He took old car tags and would cut them up because. My dad was pretty particular about where he wanted to put me. So he'd go nail the, the car tags on the, on the tree and say, this is where I want you to stand boy. You know? And so I did trust me cause I didn't want to get in trouble. Yeah. So uh, He said, I'm going to come through there, but I won't make any noise this time. I'm just going to walk a little bit, you know? And so uh, he walked through there and he tipped a, a small little basket rack, uh, eight point by me and uh come back to full draw. And he was just sort of slipping by and I shot and uh boy, I jumped up and down and I was like, man, I hit that deer. And I was all excited. and my dad come down there and i was telling him oh yeah and he's like where'd you and i was like oh it's a perfect shot dad you know i mean i'm giving the the true 14 year old bow hunter story you know it's a perfect shot the arrow went right through this blood on the ground i'm all excited uh we found the deer and uh needless to say it wasn't a perfect shot but we found the deer so about that <laughs> but anyway i thought that that's it's a good part of the story because that's true bow hunting right there yeah. you know you and so uh but we found the deer uh in all, honesty, about three quarters of a mile later. I mean, my dad wow. stuck with it because he was, he was determined, and uh, so I, I made a little shot and found the deer just on the other side of a creek. And uh, man, I'm gonna tell you, I was, I was on high. And uh, in fact, I still have that set of deer horns with the wooden arrow and the bear razor head that I used. I still have that arrow. popped uh, out! Hanging up, yeah, and um, it's exciting. I mean, you know, now this deer. I mean if he if he pushed over you know 60 70 inches i'd be real happy you know what i mean but <laughs> i wouldn't even score him if that makes sense but yeah it sure was, uh it was exciting for me and uh i hadn't killed a lot of deer anyway by that point i mean at, at 14 if if you hear these guys have killed a ton of deer at 14 they're doing something i didn't do but um you know so all deer were exciting to me but that one has been special to me forever and uh from that point forward i i did get into the compounds too um of course, I think that was a little bit of the the older teenager in me. Um, you know, Dad was into the recurve, and of course, I was like, "Well, let's be rebellious." So, what do I do? I get some <laughs> wheels, <laughs> yeah. So, and uh, I got hooked ever since. And um, my dad taught me how to make my own limbo, Um, so I actually have had those skills. And uh, he he still does it today. He, he when he gets time, he he tries to make stuff. Um, But anyway, I had those skills, and so I guess that's where I get that side of me from. And uh, fast forward, I actually worked for McPherson Archery. Um, And this has been, this was in when they moved from uh, Minnesota down to Birmingham, Alabama. I went to work for McPherson Archery of Alabama. And you mentioned you're in Tallahassee. Well, this was Bruton, Alabama, so just right on that Alabama-Florida line. Oh, yeah. And uh, I, I was really excited, and the way I got that job is I actually worked at in Demopolis, Alabama, I worked at Williamham Sports, which was a local sporting goods store. I got, that was my high school job. So that'll give you a little background of me. I've just been hooked ever since. And um,
1: <laughs> you, you've been and you've so, been elbow deep in in archery ever since.
2: Yeah, for sure. And uh, so um, I actually had a really good mentor of mine. You mentioned mentor, so I have to share a really good mentor of mine, um, Danny Moran, who was from Jacksonville, Florida, came to work at McPherson and uh, I was there as a technician, um, and he sort of is the one that gave me the R&D bug, and then another guy named Jack Lyons, um, who was the general sales manager for Hoyt many, many, many years ago, and came to work for McPherson, so McPherson was on the grow, those guys mentored me a lot, and uh, really, they both were avid hunters, but they were awesome shooters, and so uh, I really, really got to learn tournament archery then, and I spent a good bit of time chasing that, and and hadn't quit, uh, somewhere in there, I decided to go to college and became an engineer and, uh, just couldn't leave the archery bug alone. So it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. Um, I did not start out as an archery engineer. I actually started out as an electrical engineer. And then, uh, somewhere in there, I was teaching industrial robotics and design for a uh, local college there in Evergreen, Alabama. So like I said, I'm an Alabama native. So all my stories follow around Alabama a pretty good. bit. <laughs> That's and, okay. Uh, so anyway, um, I was teaching at Evergreen and decided, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm dabbling in some of this. I'll go ahead and spend some time, uh, designing my own, own gear. Um, that's probably the short version of that. There's probably some longer stories to that, but anyway, very fun stuff. Uh, I'm, it's really exciting. And, um, I started new breed to catch you up on that. I started new breed, um, uh, right around that 2008, nine, right around in there and, uh, what really was happening is by that point I was Frankenstein and bows. I was putting bows together. I was you know, anything I could possibly I was into the archery and I'm still into it, but I was really into it and then I just in total engineering style, wiped the table clean and said, Okay, I'm just gonna start over and uh started designing my own bow and I was actually helping another company a little bit and then they decided to switch or sell themselves and owners and I didn't want to carry on with the new owners and so uh thought man i've gone so far i'm just gonna make my own and so for the first uh couple of years i'd say two or three um new breed was in my garage and it was my after work job and so i would go and do it and then i had a couple of um it grew in about six months period it grew like way outside of that i was like oh no so for those couple of years it sort of was in my garage there and then it moved into we had a building i had a couple of employees but i was still working and then Right around two thousand and thirteen, um, I pulled the trigger and said, you know, I gotta choose between a teaching career or new breed. So it was real easy for me. New breed it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I meant and, so uh, <laughs> with that said, I'll say that I have a real supportive wife. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, she has helped me out and uh and she has really pushed me to see my dream come true. And somewhere in there we started a family, uh, little boy is six now KJ six and so he was born in 2012 and so he's been right there you know I always claim you breed sort of that first child and then we got KJ and then we got John so um but she's been right there with me so it's sort of cool
1: man a supportive wife whenever you start these little endeavors whether it's you know a little one like mine or a, a, a pretty massive one like yourself do the our families give up a whole lot of time uh you know they give up a a whole lot of energy to help us chase those and, and having a, a supportive family sure makes this a, a hell of a lot easier oh
2: yeah I, i'll share a little story so i got this morning i knew i had um this with you the podcast with you this morning september 1st and obviously there's some folks running up to kentucky um doing some hunting and a good friend of mine from Bruton, andrew clark who is also an excellent hunter uh we've hunted together and chased all kind of animals uh all over the u.s anyway um he was coming up going to he, he saying he's got children as well so he stayed for football last night driving up to kentucky this morning um he stopped through the birmingham area said hey let's meet at chick-fil-a just catch up for a few minutes i'm gonna grab some breakfast and let's chit chat about our elk hunt we're about to go on and so uh Got to do that this morning. So uh, she laughed and said, well, she said, I guess it's September 1st. I'm about to lose my husband until uh, about February. <laughs> I said, yeah, somewhere in there. So, yeah, so, uh, But she, she knows.
1: She oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, one thing I want to touch on, I think it's kind of cool. You know, we I mentioned earlier we have a lot of southern listeners, so they'll appreciate this just kind of hearing about southern hunting. But I also have a lot of Midwest and, and Northeast uh, listeners as well. And they're oftentimes intrigued with how different deer hunting in the south is compared to uh, your outdoor life, field and stream style of hunting that you pretty much do everywhere else. I mean, I I, I say that with a little bit of sarcasm, a lot of sarcasm, because I grew up, and I'm sure you could probably uh, see some of this yourself, I grew up getting frustrated with what was in field and stream and what was within uh, outdoor life because it just didn't relate to much of of the hunting styles that you really have to do in the south tell me a little bit about alabama whitetail hunting and what kind of makes that unique from the rest of the country
2: well uh and and i've been pretty fortunate um in alabama i've gotten you know i grew up i said about mid uh midwest alabama which is the demopolis area i grew up there so that was a little bit of uh farming fields and we did have soybeans and wheat but they were still uh pretty well you thicket hunt i mean you get in there and when we say thicket what some people call thickets uh most people wouldn't even go i mean we would go in and call you know perfect hunting ground you know yeah. but uh what we call a thicket most people would look at and go uh there's nothing in there let's
1: go let's go somewhere else yeah. um,
2: you know they sort of look at it like now we're fixing to go in there yeah i know <laughs> it you know, know. <laughs> and, and so uh you know you got some uh different style of hunting so uh yeah you like you said we had a little bit of Got to hunt a little bit of farm field there, but then I moved uh, more towards the southern part of the state, which is very similar to where you are there in the Tallahassee area. And so uh, the first time that you go in and you get in a, a little bit of a pine thicket and you finally find that one tree that you feel like you can hang a lock on and you hope it doesn't bend when you uh, when you climb up in it, then you got, a, you got a little bit of a shooting lane that you've either probably made at this point or you're hoping it's a deer trail and not a rabbit trail. <laughs> and so uh, – <laughs> So you climb up that and then, uh, yeah, here's where it differs. So, um, uh, I got pretty, I, I didn't spend a lot of time, my younger years, obviously traveling and at my age, it wasn't even popular. You know, we just all hunted, um, at the, around the house kind of deal. That, right. and I grew up on a lot of private land. I'm, you won't hear me sit here and beat my chest that I'm a big public land, you know, Southern whitetail hunter. That's not who I am. I, I've, I've been fortunate and had a lot of private land or either I leased um laying you know, through hunting clubs as i got older uh but i do public land out west but anyway back to, to alabama as far as that you know you you get up in there and then you're in a pine thicket and uh you've had to plant a field that's where a lot of people don't realize they just go out and they're like oh you had to plant this food plot and i'm like yeah because there's no other food here and you have to find water sources and then uh most of the time the creeks uh a lot of your scouting trips you were covered in uh red bugs and you're gonna no matter how much you put it no matter how much uh tick or pellet you put on you're gonna get it no matter how much mosquitoes you're gonna get it but uh hey look that's part of it and you get out there and uh when you do find those deer uh, the first thing that i realized is uh i think all alabama or i'm just gonna say southern deer but I'm, I'm definitely gonna say alabama i think they are born looking up oh yeah uh, <laughs> yeah because i've i've been there before and i'm like you know i think i think i'm just gonna shift my weight just a little bit so i can get this shot and then all of a sudden it's like boom, laser beams they're on you they're looking at you where uh i've pretty well been eating a granola bar and had a you know large whitetail buck under me in in illinois basically just keep walking like oh i yeah. think some of the granola fell out of my mouth and hit me on the head And he's like oh that must be a squirrel and keep going i don't know but i jokingly say that all deer are tough but it, it is a lot different um they have noses that are incredible. Uh, hunting the wind is, is very important here, and, um, you know, being sent free is is pretty important, which I'm not saying, I mean, all hunting is that. Don't sure. get me wrong. Sure. So I don't want to make it out like we're some kind of heroes because we're we're doing all this. It's just, you know, we do have to hunt in a little bit uh, hotter conditions as well. So our state doesn't cool off. Uh, now, there is some cool places in Alabama, so I'll, I'll share this. You know, as we mentioned, the, the public grounds. There's uh, some public land that's out there right now in Alabama that can rival some of the stuff that you see in the northern states. And uh, actually, there's some deer strains that they actually rut fairly early. Um, of course, you know the rut's pretty late in the southern half of the state. Yep. In the middle to northern half of the state, it's in the December area. You know, so it's pretty neat to that you can actually hunt two ruts if you live in Alabama. So, uh, isn't
0: that awesome? You know,
2: Yeah. And I think it's cool. I mean, I think if you're really a serious deer hunter, you can, you can pull that off. Um, and you know, it's not all about hunting the rut, but you know what I'm saying? If you want to, if you want to, it's pretty neat to be out there. It's a magical time of the year, you know?
1: Absolutely. Well, it's kind of similar to Florida. You know, we have, we've got four ruts. Um, oh yeah, and in and, in and within those areas, and all of my listeners said this before. In within those areas, you've got pockets where it's totally different. It might be an October rut, and then for this you know chunk around Orlando, it might be a December rut. You know, it's it's really uh, dynamic. The, the I think the most like the two. If I had to pick two things to differentiate hunting here compared to a lot of places, when it comes just to like whitetail tactics. I feel like A, we very seldom have a wind that doesn't swirl in the south, in yeah. the deep south. Um, you know, the whole idea of, of like a, a constant wind, that's that normally means that the weather's so bad that you can't hunt. Um mm-hmm. and then my my dad always used to tell me he's like, aim small, miss small, and aim low while you're at it. Because <laughs> these deer yeah. are so jumpy. I mean, it's just with especially with a bow, he you know, I I'll never forget shooting the first time. And you would have thought you shot like seven feet above the deer because it went from standing parallel to, to belly on the ground before the arrow even, you know, got there. Yep. Is it the same I, way I in totally Alabama? Agree.
2: Oh yeah, I totally agree. Um, you know, they they flinch at I mean, I, I jokingly say it, but you know, a bird moves wrong and they flinch and uh you know, the the animals are a little smaller too compared to the, the Midwest type hunting. Um they're smaller because of where they're located. And so, you know, now you you do have a smaller target. And then, um, you were talking about aiming low. I, a lot of guys that I hunt with in the, in the Midwest States, you know, they always pick on me a little bit. They're like, man, you're always shooting for the heart. I mean, can you just, are you, and I'm like, well, it wasn't like I meant to, I just know to aim there because I know they're probably exactly because it's just built in me. Um, and so I get lucky and get a couple of those nice shots like that. But, uh, yeah there's been some video uh over time of course i didn't know it when i was younger um but over time we have video stuff and it is amazing you can make the quietest bow you can get the quietest arrows you can and it's amazing um how much a deer can move in such a short distance i mean 30 yards 30 yards is is a pretty challenging shot as quick as a deer can move i mean i've, I've seen them do some crazy stuff and uh you know, so it's sort of amazing. So I try to get those close shots, especially here where I'm not, I, you know, I will take a little bit longer shot in the Midwest because they're not as flinchy, you know, or jumpy, I should say.
1: Well, but, and, uh, they, and they do jump at birds. I've, I've had squirrels, like, jump from limb, excuse me, from limb to yeah. limb and had the deer, like, think that, you know, you might as well have been walking up behind that deer for the way it acted.
2: Oh, yeah. You know, and, and uh well, they're even alert of each other. I, oh, I'm yeah. A little bit where I've noticed that. Um the more i've ventured out hunting it seems like another deer walks in the field it's just like the other deer are flicking their tails but here you know the first thing that happens is you know they're sort of like they sort of crouch down like they've seen a coyote or something sure you know, like what like here comes something i'm not sure what it is let me oh okay it's a deer I'm a yep. I keep eating, you know and uh, yep. so and that's that's another thing too um you know obviously you are hunting food sources that most of the time you're you're making uh, especially in the southern parts of it i'm not saying there's not natural white oaks and stuff that you can hunt okay um so i don't want to make it sound like there's not any natural food there's plenty in fact that's another thing too that's very hard uh in the southern area that i you know there's browse everywhere and so that we do have sort of a milder winter to start with and there's honeysuckles and there's uh locust beans and there's all kind of little knickknack brows that they can eat and uh so they don't have to come to a food source i mean we just get lucky that they decide they want the good stuff,
1: you know,
0: yeah. so, uh,
2: or they, they come to, I say a planted food source, I should say, but um, you know, or you find that one white oak tree that's dropping or, you know, some sawtooth somewhere. So uh, it's pretty cool when, pretty cool when you can find that tree and then actually find the tree that you can get a lock on in or, or somewhere to climb and, and make it happen because uh, there's nothing better. And then there's some, now you get mid-state and some other stuff i've hunted some really nice places um it's just open hardwoods right here in the state of alabama that you're like man i'm sitting in the midwest somewhere. yeah, so,
1: yeah there are places uh, like that especially even here in tallahassee we get these because we have these rolling hills we'll end up getting yep. you know you'll get uh, deciduous uh trees that are in there and the the leaves will be orange you know in yep. november and it, it's kind of trippy it's just beautiful it is. i mean
2: it, and so I'll, I'll share that. Probably one reason, you know, obviously growing up on a farm and my dad being in uh, and then my family doing it, like it was almost a tradition. But I will say this. Um, There's nothing better than being in the woods. And I, we were talking earlier and, you know, talking about uh, people getting it. And, of course, my wife, she's a country girl, so she gets it. But what I'm trying to say is, you know, if, if you don't do it as much as we do it, you sort of miss that experience, and some people are like, "I just don't understand. You want to go to what? You want to sit in a tree stand and wait on, on what?" And I'm like, "Well, this is why. I mean, it's not about, it, you know. Let me just say this: it's not about killing something, but it, you know, I mean, we're there to we're there to take an animal's life and to eat it. That's that's my plan anyway. So sure. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make it out that I'm not there for that. But at the same time, that's not. I don't come home like you know pout faced you know if i don't see a deer or, or didn't get one or, or whatever i mean because man this it's beautiful and sometimes it's very peaceful and as i've gotten older um and i've worked you know we i think we were talking just a little earlier but you know you said Are you working today and i said no not really and I sort of backed up and laughed and i said well i'm always working and <laughs> when, you, when you own your own business um you you work and so uh because new breed is a passion for me and it's it's something i enjoy doing but Sometimes it's nice to get out there and, uh, you know, sometimes I'm like, yes, I have no cell phone service,
0: <laughs> you know, and so,
2: because <laughs> yeah. uh, technology has made it easier to like, uh-oh, I've been sitting here answering emails and I should have been watching what I right. was doing. So, uh,
1: Absolutely. So. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. And I've got, it's funny you mentioned not having cell service. I, I've, I remember the days when cell service, you know, when you had your little Nokia phone that, you know, cell service wasn't a, a guaranteed thing in the woods and it's kind of funny recently i've had to like de-evolve because some of the places that i hunt don't have cell service so (laughs) i became accustomed to having it not having known a a period of time before that and now in some of the areas that i go you know i have to say hey if you don't hear from me by 10 o'clock you know like (laughs) something's wrong you know checking in with the wife
2: oh yeah yeah well uh you know funny story to that, but I always get asked, well, what time are you going to be home? And i say dark 30. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, uh, <laughs> and so I got to share this. This is something to laugh about, but the first time I said that, I said dark 30. And, um, uh, you know, like I said, my, my wife's a country girl now, so I don't, I don't want to pick on her, but I am a little bit, you know, The we were, we lived in town at the time. And so, uh, it had gotten sort of late and, uh, she was calling, she was checking on She thought maybe something happened. I'm like, I'm just now getting in my truck, babe. Eh? And, uh, this, this is probably right around that you know starting new breed or first a new breed i'm a hunter you know and so anyway i said i'm just getting to the truck i'll be home in a little while, and i hunted about 10 miles down the road from where i live and uh she said well okay well you said dark 30 and i just you know dark and i said well yeah i said it's just getting dark you know shooting light we always have about 30 minutes after that you know after what it says on the internet or whatever and she was like well the street lights were on <laughs> so you know, i had to laugh because <laughs> we all know that street lights come on a little early and so yeah course, i'm picking on her a little bit you know she it was just sort of funny, I remember, because she was worried about me is all it was. So, that's what it was. So, anyway, but, uh, yeah, so I'd say Alabama is just a, a great state in general. Um, to hunt, I, sometimes it's overlooked. Um, you know, they've changed some laws. I, I've gotten to see the laws change because I did start hunting so early. Uh, there was a period there where there was certain days called doe days, and uh, you could only kill does a certain time. Uh, usually it was the 26th of December to the 31st of December. So it was right after Christmas, you could do the doe days. And then uh, in the area that I lived, I I think it mixed up. I don't know all the regulations perfect, you know, but uh, as far as each counties, but when I was growing up, it was that way. And then I, then it went into, you know, basically a deer a day. You could take a doe or a buck a day. Didn't matter what size buck Um, that had happened. And then at one point, Uh, there were some areas where you could take, uh, two does a day if you wanted to. And so I've seen that to where now it's changing a little bit and they're, they're going back and figuring out, okay, look, I think we got the population where we want it. So first few days of bow season, you can't shoot a doe. And then now we've got some rules about the size bucks. And luckily we're now the three bucks, you know, in the state. And so, uh, I think that's, I, I think conservation is where it's at, you know, um, because we also get sort of labeled that the southern states get labeled you know if it's brown it's
1: down yep. you know and, oh yeah and we're
2: not those guys i mean there's a lot of us that are conservationists and uh don't get me wrong if just because the law says you can do it doesn't mean you have to do it every time you go out so <laughs> um you know there's been times that i've I've passed here and i'm sure you have too And but i'm really glad to start seeing this more driven because man we got we got the deer here and i think y'all do too it's just Getting the horn size and that is really going to take uh, the younger generation of hunters uh, being educated on what to do. And uh, now that doesn't mean go out there and you know wait on the biggest deer you possibly can and everything else. I mean, you know, if you're a hunter and you want to take you, you know, take what you feel comfortable with. So I'll just say that. Sure. Know, I'm sure. You're not going to see me taking pictures of big deer all the time because sometimes I'm just a hunter and I want to take oh like yeah I feel with, oh know?
1: yeah if you get if you get the blood going and the tip of my arrow starts to shake in wildly that's pretty much yep. my barometer for killing something and, and there's a good chance you step within bow range you're going to have an arrow slung at you because there you uh, go uh, you know I, i've got my biggest deer on the wall i think is a healthy a healthy specimen of a a good solid florida deer you know he's probably somewhere between you know 80 and 100 inches somewhere in that range yeah. you know and yeah. you know that that's an interesting topic let's, let's kind of it's let's let's take it in that direction what what is a good let's start off with you know body size and move into rack what is a good respectable alabama whitetail uh look like
2: you know man there's there could be so many different but i'd say a a good deer to me you know of course everybody's got their own opinions but i try i i do try to as i've gotten older i try to age the deer a little bit so i'm after the age of the deer but you know that that 120 inch plus buck maybe even you know there's bigger there's 150 inch deer there's there's bigger deer here but you know that, a good bow hunting size that trying to get that poking young style deer and making sure he's old enough i mean uh you know really pay attention to his body size and, and language and then you know that 180 ish range is pretty good in in our you know you get to the southern side like you like you know, 108 is huge. You know, so, huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But you know what I'm Keep saying. Keep that Somewhere quiet. That Do not take that to the to the record book.
2: Yeah, so you know. No, no. I mean, oh, weight wise, I'm sorry. Oh, oh, wise. oh. Yeah, got gotcha, you. Yeah,
1: I'm talking about poundage. Yeah, oh, got gotcha. <laughs>
2: Yeah. I was talking horns a minute ago, and now I'm in that 108. Yeah, but uh I'm sorry about that. But no worries. Anyway, what I meant was body weight. But you know, I try to look for that. Is the chest a little bigger than the sure, rear? Sure. Sure. You know. I'm not going to give you some great school and I read it out of a book. I just, I did, that's the little things I pay attention to. Is there no short, you know? sure. I mean, the little things that we try to do, is there, is there horns past their ears? I always try to look for that, you know? Sure. Um, so I say if it, if it fits within your window, go for it. Um, you know, I'm not recommending that, you know, I don't want that to be taken wrong, but just, you know, do what you feel comfortable with. I mean, we are hunters and so, uh, I always do this. If I, if I take an animal, um, usually that next one I'm going for is I want him to be a little bit bigger. If it's, if we're talking about a buck, obviously, right. and then a good mature doe, I'm always trying to get a mature doe. That's if I can get that. Cause there are, there are wind detectors and, uh, they're, they're also <laughs> the ones that alert everything else that, it, within a, I always make the joke, but within a 10-mile radius, they are on full alert. Oh, so yeah. if I can never get one of those. Those are bigger trophies to me than the horn deer sometimes.
1: Absolutely, so, especially with the bow. Yeah. Good Lord, with yeah. the bow, that's, a, sure. that's a thing. Yeah. I think, you know, we, we, we kind of touched on this, and, you know, you, you said it many different ways. And I think it's important for people to, when they're setting their goals, if your idea is if I don't shoot it, someone else will, that to me, and this is just me speaking so y'all don't get too upset with me, if your goal is I'm going to shoot the or your decision thought process is i'm going to shoot this because if I don't, somebody else will that to me is kind of uh I'm not going to say wrong but ill ill rooted I think what you should be doing as as a deer hunter is you should take inventory of what's around you right like in my area, I can't reasonably go after a one thirty inch buck on public land, which is the majority of the yeah. hunting that I do now. So, so I'm not going to pass up a 100-inch deer because, A, a 100-inch deer satisfies my personal requirement. That's going to get me excited. And, yep. B, it doesn't get much bigger than that. So take inventory of where you're at. Don't let, you know, all the big deer that are shot on TV, which I'm not knocking on them, but I take inventory of where you're at. If a 100-inch 3-year-old deer, if a 100-inch 80-inch 2-year-old deer is, is a reasonable thing in your area and you're excited to shoot that then shoot it you yeah, know don't don't have... don't don't rob yourself of the joy of, of of looking at what you can do in Kansas and, and and putting that on your Florida expectations your Alabama expectations
2: absolutely and I, I think one thing that I would probably, that i probably spend the most time on is is age if if you want to study something study study age i mean scoring on the hoof is hard regardless i mean there's some guys i i know some incredible people that man i mean they can they can tell you on camera they can get a trail cam picture and they can say i think that deer's gonna score that and then if they get lucky enough it's amazing how close they are i mean we're not we're talking we're talking they're within an inch or two and me I'm just like, yep, that's a shooter. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> yep, okay. If you say that's what it is, perfect. I'm putting an arrow in it if it gets near me, you know, kind of deal. So, um, I'm, I, you know, I do pay attention, but I don't go for horn size as much as I do trying to go for age. Um, you know, and yeah, just put it in perspective. What yours? And then I'm, I'm with you. I don't take an animal just because I think the guy. Now you mentioned public land. I'm going to go back to a little bit of private land side of things. Sure. Um, if I'm leasing land, or if I'm in a hunting club, or I got a guy next to me and I've got some land that I own, because uh, I've I've been in those situations currently. Right now, I'm in a hunting club, so I don't own a bunch of land. It's not like, oh, he's got a bow company; everybody owns what? No, it's not <laughs> that one. Uh, trust me, uh, I'm a working class bow manufacturer. I'm with you, yeah.
1: man. So anyway,
2: um, so I've, I'm in a hunting club, and uh, you know, if the guy, if I pass a deer and even someone in the club or someone in the adjoining club kills that deer and they like show a picture of it. The first thing I am is if, if they are jacked up, I mean, I'm talking about like flipped out. This is the coolest thing that's ever happened. I, I am totally happy for them because Mm -hmm. that's, if I, if I passed it because I felt like it was something that I didn't want to personally take, I just created so, or I didn't create, I guess I shouldn't say it that way, but that, that animal created somebody else's joy that i would have just been like well maybe i should just take it because you know no sure i'm glad somebody else got the buzz off of it that they it really comes along with this and i don't want to make it sound like we're saying deer hunting killing things is a buzz but you understand what i'm saying
1: oh it is it is a buzz. let's not let's not sugarcoat it it is it's a it's a it's a cathartic connection with our past that that is what it is you know it, it you're not out there just to get that buzz there's more things that go into it sure but you know we can't we can't deny that component of who we are though either i mean there. right when when, when you shoot a deer and the adrenaline rush is so so solid that you can't climb down out of the tree because you're, you're worried your legs aren't going to work i mean how yeah. what else are you supposed to call that <laughs> oh yeah, yeah that's for sure i've, I've
2: had the week i've had the weak knees before i got the full drawing i'm like Please. And, you know, it is it <laughs> just is just don't weird.
1: don't fail me. <laughs> yeah.
2: It is weird. Um it is totally weird though. Like it and, and so I'm gonna touch on this. Um I practice a lot. You mentioned something earlier and we talked about that uh, deer hunting doesn't just start in, you know, September and end in January or February, you know. Really and truly it's it's a lifestyle once you get into the hunting side of it. Absolutely. And, uh, you know there's there's some times in april even though that's probably turkey season for a lot of guys and i'm not saying i i don't go but i mean i probably get into the deer side of it where i know i got buddies of mine that are turkey hunters said they they'd run past a field full of white tails with 180 inch horns to get to that one long beard you know where i'm i'm the other i'm the other way around i'm like well they want a turkey that was cool and i sent a picture he's like man where are you i want to out there you know when turkey season comes in you know um kind of deal um but anyway uh I say you need to practice. Um, and then, uh, I know a lot of people you mentioned won't know who I am and that kind of thing, but I know that we've kept up through some social media networks. Uh, we've seen each other on some different things. And so there's a lot of times i post stuff. If you go back and look at my posts, there'll be, uh, somewhere in July I shooting broadheads, you know, or I'll be in, it, it may be April or May that I'm fiddling around with a new arrow, uh, that I want to play with for the year. And so, you know, don't, don't just buy a bow or a gun or anything, but let's just say a bow. Cause that's what we're talking about. Don't just buy one just to run out there. And, you know, cause everybody's saying, Oh, I want to bow. hunt, And then, you know, I'm, I'm not saying don't get a bow, but get a bow and really get into it. Understand what it's about and, and practice with that thing. Cause that's when, what this all led into is we were talking about the wobbly knees for some reason, When I come back to full draw, because I have been practicing, I have gotten used to it, there's some part of my muscle memory and my brain that takes over, and, man, I get cool as a cucumber. Now, I'll be honest with you, as soon as I hear that noise, that magical sound that you get when it goes to the lungs or the chest cavity, I can just tell you right now, I I fall to pieces. I mean, I'm doing all I can because if the deer's standing there, you know, if it's taking a couple of hops and it's trying to figure out what happened, I am trying not to let that come out. You know, I'm like pieces because I have I totally lost it at that point. I mean, I'm a train wreck. Oh yeah, I'm a train wreck. So, um, and I get that every time. I, and you know, I I'm not gonna sit here and tell you, I, you know, I got a whole bunch of scores and a bunch of notches on my belt, but I, I've killed some deer, okay. And so, I get it every time. And if I don't get that then maybe it's time i just do something else i don't know because that's it is, it is cool you know
0: yeah
1: there you go <laughs> uh, yeah. well it's it's funny you know kind of co- combining different thought process here i've i i think a lot of people lack good mentors and as such whenever i have the opportunity to introduce somebody into archery i try to do my best to mentor them i i am no you know real wild i'm i'm not a insanely talented archer, but I've made mistakes and I can pass those, those, those learning curves on down to somebody else. And, um, one of my good buddies is getting into hunting now that he's out of college and, uh, I've been helping him through the process and he was shooting the other day and he had a group, I think it was like a three inch group at 30 yards, which is, it's great. That's a great group. I'm not knocking on that at all. And, uh, he's like, I think the furthest I'm going to take a shot on a deer is about 35 yards, 30, 35 yards. I was like, man, you know, take whatever size group you've got and triple it. And that's likely the group that you would have. If I could hit you with the adrenaline rush of having a deer at that range, if you took three shots, that'd be where it is. And he said, Oh no, 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 no. I said, okay, I'm just listen to me. I'm just trying to tell you. You might be cooler than I am. You might have better composure, but you've only been shooting for about a month now, and there's a good chance that you're going to forget the form. You're going to forget to bend at the weight at the waist instead of in your back. You know, your your anchor point ain't gonna be quite right, and you're probably gonna hit that trigger like a freaking jackhammer when you when you, when it goes off. And and uh, he he asked me. He's like, "Did how bad is it for you?" I was like, "Dude, every time I kill a deer." When I was in my climber, I had to sit there for 20, 30 minutes because I was afraid to put any weight on my knees. I mean, that's just the, yeah. the honest to god truth of it. You know, that, yeah. that that's just me. And I, I, if I lose that, I'm with you, dude. I'm I'm done. I'm I'm hanging it up and I'll, I'll carve wood or something. I don't know.
2: Oh yeah. Well, you know, shooting at a piece of foam and shooting at a, a living, breathing animal is a totally different ball game. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, I. That's one reason I preach the practice, because, you know, like you said, there's a lot of factors going on. And, in fact, this morning uh, I gotten up, and uh, I mentioned Andrew Clark, a good buddy of mine, that he's headed off hunting. And hopefully he's probably he's probably getting there about now, um, getting ready to go. But, anyway, my, my point to that is I was up this morning, and I, I'm going on an elk hunt with him uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. We're, we're headed out to Colorado again, and we're doing public land out there. But I was up. had some weights and uh i was walking around i've I've got a little acreage around my house there not not a ton but enough that i can make a couple of circles i think four of them equal a mile and so i'm out there you know getting with the weights in my hands and and walking and then i go shoot my bow because i Mm. want my muscles fatigued i want um i just i want to i want to sort of have that even though. I can't simulate the adrenaline. I'm trying to simulate what my body's going to be feeling a little bit, that little bit of fatigue, that little bit of rush, that little bit of tiredness that you get from getting jacked up sure. a little bit. So, uh, so I go out and shoot my boat after that. I don't shoot it before. And then, uh, another little thing I'll do too is, uh, I'll sprint to and from the target. If I don't have time to, to do that, maybe in the evenings I come in straight from, uh, from work or something. Uh, I'll shoot a couple of arrows and I sprint to the target, pull there, sprint back, just trying to get my body, even though I may be getting in a deer stand, I'm still trying to get that heart rate elevated enough to, to try to, you know, simulate at least that feeling a little bit, you know? so a little bit of shortness of breath kind of feel. So those are the things I do. And I say practice. um, I I can't preach that enough uh, to shoot your bow, make sure it's where it is. You know, uh, i so I, the backstory of me too. I was, I'll share this. I actually had my own archery shop for a little while as well. I, I, that's how I got myself through college. Um, I had a small archery shop. So if you're listening to this, you can hear my history starts out archery, archery, archery. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, it's just who I. It, it's part of me. And so anyway, I had a little small pro shop, and um, anyway, I would have people come in literally and. It's tough. I I will have to admit that because it was sort of paying the bills, you know. But it's tough. A guy comes in a couple of nights or the night before, and uh, he's dusted off his bow and he's wanting his string checked, and he's basically going out there and you know you got bags set up back of your little range there, and he's got his truck lights on and he's shooting a couple because he's going the next morning. And you're just thinking, you know, and you know you don't know what to say because you don't know everybody's situation. I mean, I'm glad they're going hunting, so don't get me wrong, but. At the same time, you're like, man, I wish they would put a little time into that. You know they're probably busy. Most of those guys were not doing it because they were lazy. They were doing it because they were busy and just didn't have time, you know. And and so uh, we encourage it. But I, I'm i going to say this. Any chance you get in a few minutes, I think you mentioned you had the house to yourself. So I'm sure you'll be out cleaning a couple of areas, you know, just even if it's one or two. And so I'll even share this little tip that I do um, a lot because I, I stay I stay running, a pretty good bit. I'm trying to run a company. I'm trying to hunt. I got a small family, whole nine yards. I will walk out sometimes, just before I leave. Uh, I've got my bow by the front door, and just before I leave, I run out and I'll go take a one. I call it a cold shot, you know, uh, from the rifle world. But I go and take that one shot, and I leave it alone. I mean, if it hit where I want it to, awesome. I'm, I'm probably, you know driving down the road, going to work, high five myself on the side of my head a little bit. But (laughs) if it doesn't, I got to be honest with you. I'm probably working on it. Um, I'm probably working on it mentally. What, what, went, what? And I hear this a lot too. You know, everybody's like, oh, I got, you know, it's equipment. It's this, it's that, man, look, equipment's awesome. But unless you're, you are the machine, that equipment can outperform you most of the time. So that's where the practice comes in, become that machine, you know? And so, uh, I do that one-shot one, one shot cold deal, and then usually I come in the evenings and do it. Um, I try to get the evening. It, it'll be super dark almost, and it's like, man, I don't know if I can see my pen or not. And So I just back out. As far as I can see, you know, it's like 60 yards, and I go and fling that air. And then uh, I, sometimes I post that stuff, and I get people, I get private messages. Man, I hope you don't shoot deer that far, Da da da, And I really don't. So my goal is I want them 20 yards in the end if you want to know the truth. Dang, I want I'm them right. 20 yards. Yep. Y- every time but i'm challenging myself so that when i do get that 20 yard shot or that 30 yard shot i'm trying to challenge myself enough that i can keep my composure that i can keep that that one inch group i've got down to a three inch group you know what i mean so um i recommend the cold shot if you can at least just go out there and get one or two shots off in the morning do it i mean don't go out there and, and you know if you can go out there and shoot 200 arrows then high five go but if you can't just go get a couple it's okay you know and if you don't hit the target right where you wanted to that means tomorrow morning practice a little harder you know
1: man and I'm gonna, I'm gonna push back a little bit i think that we are busy i think the vast majority 99.999 percent of hunters have the time to go shoot three arrows almost every day i mean I, yeah. you might have to change your schedule up a little bit But it takes so little time. I'm talking at 20 yards. I'm talking blind bail. It is, you know, I told a guy the other day, he's like, well, I leave leave work before the sun comes up, and I come home before the sun goes down. Awesome. I hear you. Now go put yourself a foam uh, 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 a bag target in your garage and shoot three times so that on the weekend your your, your muscle form is there, your anchor point still stay, f- feels familiar, and you can work on your back tension. You can work on your release. You can work on a bunch of little things, not worried about what you're hitting. And then I'll hear the thing of, oh, well, I'm not comfortable drawing it inside the house. It's like, but well, if you're not comfortable controlling your bow inside a house, but you're willing to go out there and shoot shoot a deer, you're not ready. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah, you're, I- you're, you're not there. And, and and it takes. I've timed myself from the time it takes me to walk from my bedroom into my office, grab my bow, go into my garage, comfortably shoot three shots, and put the bow back. It takes me four minutes and forty nine seconds. Yeah, well, there you go. I, yeah, I, there you go. I, because somebody called me out, it's like I don't have time. And I I sat there and hit record, dude. I walked out to my garage, I shot those three shots, and I sat back down. It is not yep. that hard for you to get some form of practice in during near every day.
2: Yep. I. I'm with you, so I'll, I'll jump on that bandwagon. If if it's too dark before you to shoot blind bell somehow or another, even yeah. If it's just even if you're not comfortable in your house, I'll throw us out there. Just put it right outside your, right outside by a light and just blind bail right there, man. Whatever you got to do, um, just enough to know you're on there. Um, it, it will teach you all kind of stuff. Absolutely, blind, blind bail is is pretty amazing. And so uh, a lot of people think, man, I wouldn't do that. That's just why not you do that because you you can work on. Everything. You're not working on your sight plane. You're not working on anything else. You're strictly working on your anchor point, your form, and your release. And uh so I'm I'm gonna say go do it. And yeah, the five minutes of you know, I probably I probably take five extra minutes trying to make a cup of coffee. Maybe I'll just skip coffee and go shoot my bow. That sounds like a plan. <laughs> <You> know, so.
1: <laughs> so So I've had you on the phone now for for a good little while, and and there were there were two main topics I wanted to hit with you left. So let's let's rapid fire hit one of uh, both of them if you don't mind. So the first is, you know, we kind of touched on this before we started talking. We find ourselves there naturally. There's a lot of people, for better or for worse, for whatever reason, that are just now getting into archery. They're just now getting to bow hunting. It is September first. They've only got a few weeks to rep- to prepare what three tips would you give someone who is just literally breaking ground into bow hunting that that might make the difference uh for them this upcoming season okay
2: well good let's just say that you went and bought a bow today today is saturday september 1st and one of your buddies has been shooting his bow and you're like i'm gonna pull the trigger today the very first thing you need to do is once you go and get the bow and get it set up right for you um the very first thing I would say is definitely start with that practice. Don't, don't go out there and just fling arrows to fling arrows, make that perfect practice, you know, perfect practice makes good. And so go out there and really put your shot processes down. Um, The next thing that I would do is get familiar with what your body, the changes that it's going to make. So, you know, make sure you're getting those muscles built in. Don't over bow yourself. I don't know. I think I actually said that out loud like I was looking at you or something. But anyway, um, (laughs) don't overbow yourself. You don't need crazy amounts of – if your buddy's shooting 70 pounds and he's been bow hunting since he was 10, then awesome. Uh, But go get a bow that fits you, that you can come to full draw comfortably and you're not, like, putting it down after five shots going, that hurts. But you're not trying to tell anybody. You know, don't overbow yourself. Um, get Get a good quality bow that is designed with the right and don't chase the speed freaks and all that don't try to get too much speed and kinetic energy just go with some stuff that works you know um try to make it work out to where you're basically getting a bow that you can handle um don't i i see people do this a lot of times but they run out and they they're trying to get what somebody else has and it's just because that guy's been doing it for so long i get that okay i you know, some people see some of the stuff I have and they want what I've got. And I'm like, hey, look, let me explain why I do this first before you buy a single pin mover or you buy a, a moving sight with three pins. So that'll be the first couple of things. The other thing is shoot your broadheads. <laughs> I think I said that loud enough. Um, so anyway, go shoot a broadhead. Go get a broadhead target. Don't just think you can screw the tip of the arrow on there and go with it. There is so much stuff happening when you screw on a broadhead and some people are oh i shoot mechanical it's cool yep that's fine the length of that broadhead can change the dynamic of your arrow and so go shoot one just you don't have to don't go waste you know don't go buy three packs of broadheads so you can have two to hunt with you know get the one broadhead go practice with it just make sure you're on at your comfortable hunting distance that's another thing figure out your comfortable hunting distance if you just bought this bow today your comfortable hunting distance should be about twenty five yards. I about in a month's time, I would say, with the equipment and stuff that's out there, go twenty five yards. Now, yeah, you can go out there probably in your yard within the next fifteen days and probably shooting skull can. You know, and now that yep. day, now you know I'm from Alabama, skull can size groups. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can shoot skull can size groups at 60 yards. And, um, you probably can do that. This the equipment that's made today and uh, is is awesome, but you never being in a bow hunting situation you may have killed a deer with a rifle or whatever else but not being in a bow hunting situation shorten your distance that's what bow hunting's all about anyway is trying to get them closer I I always say this even though I started at a young age I really the more the most hunting experience I've had and the more I've learned about the animal I'm hunting has been why I'm bowing so because you're going to get them close you got to wait for them to get there so you can watch all their activity it's pretty neat you know
1: I think it makes you a better uh, hunter because you end up learning about deer a whole lot more than you did before. That's just my my personal opinion. For sure. And, uh,
2: I'm, I mean, now listen, I'm a manufacturer. Obviously I have to be a salesman too, but don't, don't overgear yourself. Get, get some good working equipment that you feel confident in. I'm going to push you towards my bow because I know it's handcrafted. I know it's made correctly. It comes from a true bow hunter. Um, so, I mean, if I didn't push it towards me, I, I wouldn't be who I am. But what I'm trying <laughs> to say is, you know, get you, a good, get you a good bow, get you a good sight, get you a good stabilizer, get you, you know, some good arrows and a release and, and just go have a good time. Um, the the gear part of it gets fun as the years go on, you know, and then you can start tinkering around. So uh, just have a good time with it. I, I don't know any other way. And I'm going to share the last thing we both mentioned before. If you're just getting started today, and you've been listening to these podcasts, and you've got a couple of buddies that are into it, but you're not sure, go get you a mentor. Get you somebody. Even, and I'm going to share this with you. I got a guy that works with me right now. Uh He's in his 20s, and I'm I'm in my 40s. I mentioned I'm mid 40s, right? And so, but he's a he's a public land guy, and I got to be honest with you, I'm probably learning something from him. To, he's in his 20s, and I am learning stuff about public land hunting from him. So. It's not like, oh, i got to go find this guy that's been bow hunting for 100 years. No, find the guy that seems to know what they're doing, and they're really doing it, you know, and, and work with them. And then you can share your experiences, too. I'm not, you know, I don't know if that's coming out right, but I'm just saying your mentor doesn't have to be some guy that's been doing it and he's on the way out. Obviously, those are the good guys, too, right? But yeah, yeah, at yeah. At the yeah. same time it can be somebody that's got more experience at bow hunting than you do can be your mentor. Absolutely. Yeah. Or, or at a certain style of hunting. Like I'm just not a big out West, a little bit different story, but over here I'm just now learning public land hunting. And so I'm having to get used to the whole park in my car and worried about somebody coming by and, you know,
1: yeah, no, I'm with, I'm with you, man. And my, I'd also say this to people, you can have multiple mentors in life. This is not Mister Miyagi, where you have one guy and he is your mentor for the entirety of your life. I've I've got buddies of mine that have mentored me on on how to public land uh, hunt. I've got mentors of mine that have taught me how to be a better archer. I've got mentors of mine that have taught me how to take public land waterfowl hunting tactics and move it into 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 whitetail. I mean, you can you can progress as time goes on. And, and sometimes I suggest this to a lot of people: go into your local archery shop and ask for a mentor. I mean, don't like, Hey, I need a mentor. You know, how much are they? But like, Hey, I'm getting into archery. Do y'all know anybody who'd be willing to, you know, coach me up a little bit who'd take me and hunt public land. Do you know any public land hunters ask specific questions? And dude, I'm going to tell you something. Bow hunters are some great people. The hunting industry is full of some awesome people. And oftentimes the questions that are asked are, hey, how can I kill a big deer? Hey, how do I do this? If you walk in and say, hey, I'm looking for a bow hunting mentor, where's the nearest club? Who should I talk to? Point me in the right direction. That's going to catch people's ears, and there's a chance that there's going to be somebody behind that counter that either A, is going to go, okay, I'm going to give this fellow a shot, or B, I'm going to call my uncle because he was talking about how he needed a new public land buddy. So just throwing that out there. Put yourself into the realm. Somebody will pick you up.
2: Yep, for sure. And so, uh, hopefully that helped with, with what I would do if I was going to start today. I mean, I want to encourage you to start. I, I didn't want any of that to sound like not to be an encouragement. I just wanted to make sure practice, find somebody that has some knowledge and, and can help share their knowledge with you and, uh, just get out there and do it. I, I'm, I mean, there's, there's the other side of that. It's, it's fun. That's all dreaming about it, but sometimes you just got to go do it.
1: Absolutely. Well, it's, yep. you, you made the push for all archers. Why don't you make the push for new breed archery? Uh, I'm certain that there's a great many of my listeners who may not be familiar with your brand. It, it's a unique brand that's undergoing some cool changes, and, and I know it's something you're really passionate about, and I'd be remiss if I didn't give you the opportunity to kind of talk about new breed and what's going on and why everybody should, should sell their current bow and buy one.
2: Absolutely. Um, so I'll, I'll share this. Obviously, if you've listened this far, you've heard I'm an archer. Okay, I started out. You know, I, I wasn't born new breed, so obviously new breed got born, right? And so, anyway, in there, um, I've just had it in my blood. But where new breed has really shined is I do have those experiences. And so we we are a a smaller bow company. You know, I'm not the top four or five that are out there, and I'm not going to mention any names. But I'm not that big brand that you're going to see on every TV show and every magazine and every. I'm that brand, though, that specializes, very similar to a custom rifle company, um, that we make bows for you. That's what we do. And we've done all the little tips and tricks. We have stainless steel and titanium hardware, which is normally an upgrade for most bows that are out there today because everybody's trying to shave pennies. Uh, The new term in the industry that's floating around, or any industry right now, is lean manufacturing. And uh, just look that up. But lean manufacturing means we're going to shave everything, shave everything until we get it down to where you know all the pennies look there's probably a lot of fat in new breed archery okay um but what i mean by that is if if i can spend that dollar to make sure you're getting a better product then i'm gonna spend that dollar you know what i mean because i want the better product we custom build each bow one at a time uh when a technician starts the bow he finishes the bow now Mind you, we machine our parts in, you know, large quantity and so on and so forth. But once we start the final assembly, that technician starts that bow, he finishes that bow. There's no assembly line, you know, somebody's hammering on the cams and the other person's putting the string on Another person's pulling it and throwing it in a box. So when you get it out of the box, that bow is time tuned. And when I say tuned, obviously you have to put some accessories on it. But I mean, the draw length's right. The timing's right the axle to axles right the brace height's right everything's been done that normally uh when you have to get a bow out of a box of some of the bigger companies you have to sort of work on it you have to spend about 30 minutes on before it's ready to beat you dyers basically you put a rest on it start tuning it out of the box um the other cool part about us is that we build all our strings in-house uh so we're very particular about the way our strings just everything we do is handmade uh one cool thing that we're doing, and this is sort of exciting, and you're one of the few that's getting this, is that we are now going direct to consumer. Uh, we are very excited about that. And that's so that's so, so cool. What we're gonna do, if you start looking at us, we haven't our website has not officially launched as of today. We're trying to get it done in September. But if you hit our social media page, you can definitely find me. I'm I'm obtainable. I'm not some guy, oh, you can't get that guy on the phone. If you can't get me on the phone, I'm in the wrong business. So we'll we're, we're get you there but you can find me on social media you can reach out to us you can call us and we'll build you the bow but the direct to consumer the reason we want to do that is we are archers we are bow hunters we want to get that bow built for you which is you know i hate to say it but you know you pick up somewhere and you're basically having to press nine and you, you can hear the pages flipping when you're talking to a customer service agent, you know, and they're trying to answer a question when some guy calls up and says, you know, I'm getting this left tear, and I don't know exactly what to do. I can walk you through how to do it. Or one of the technicians can walk you through it pretty easy. And, uh, hey man, I mean, I'm the type guy, if, if you can't get it done, we'll, we'll say, we'll send it to us and we'll figure it out for you. I mean, we want we want to be that manufacturer that you feel like we're in your court when you go out in the woods. So, uh, I hope that sums up who we are. The other, the other thing is we make a couple of neat models. Uh, The other cool part about our direct to consumer that I'm really excited about is we can offer it at a fair price. Uh, You know, I'm never going to use the word cheap because we are definitely not a cheap product. I'm never going to use the word expensive because I feel like we're a high end product that we sell at a very reasonable price. Um, but we will customize it your way. We're going to have several different colors you can pick from. We let you pick your string colors, we we'll pick your sticker colors, uh, your riser color, your limb color. So we do a lot of that and uh, we don't really charge any upcharges. The only one that we're charging a little bit of upcharge on is I have a, a custom signature fade, the Kyle Knoll signature fade. And it just, the reason it costs more is that we have to load the paint gun up twice because it's two colors on the boat, you know? And so uh, we do all our graphics and painting in house. So. It's pretty interesting, all our hydrographics. And um, I don't know. Go check us out. Look us up on our social media. Look me up, Kyle Noel Jr. on Facebook or Instagram. But just just check us out. You'll see what we're all about. Um, I won't lie. I'm the, I'm the band member that wears my own T-shirt. So I got a lot of stuff on my Instagram <laughs> and Facebook pages. Um, but our company does a good job of, of letting people know who we are. And uh, it's a team effort. We're uh, the size company and the dynamic we are. Uh, you know it is a very team effort, and so we want to just make you part of our team too, and we want to be on your team when you're out there hunting or shooting your bow for target
1: archery.
0: Well, and, and I, so we
2: do make target bows, and we make hunting bows, and then we make some combos that sort of fit both markets too.
1: And I, I've just got to say that signature series fade is insanely cool. That, oh, cool! Man. It, it it really is. I saw that launch, and I was like, I, I it was cool. I ended up sitting there staring at it and flipping through the different because you mentioned that you know you're easily accessible you know we're friends on facebook and and you're posting frequently and and it's awesome to see y'all working on these bows individually and whatnot but it is really cool the different customizations that you're consistently cranking out to these different people man the bows have a unique look to themselves and then you go and throw that custom paint job on there and it's a it's a pretty sweet looking rig dude it looks pretty sick
2: well thank you very much man it's it's been a work in progress in fact uh, it's funny but one of my memories popped up or a friend of mine's memory i actually had gone to africa hunting and uh that was back uh whew, that's been a little while ago but uh it popped up from a few years ago it, it's actually one of my bigger pictures i told you i lost weight it's one of my bigger pictures but there sits a bow when i was originally starting to fade because it's got the green in the middle and it fades out to the gray and and so on and so forth. So it's funny, I've been perfecting that thing. I've been perfecting the fade that we've got today. I've probably been working on that for several years. And then I've had a couple of people push me in the right direction and say, this would look cool. And so we listen to the consumer. Let me just say that about New Breed. Um, man, we can't do it all. So if if you tell me something and I don't do it, don't get mad at me. I, but we can't do it all, but we listen to you, especially the ones that, are, that are, are good at what they do archery-wise. So we try to listen to you, and we incorporate it when we can. Um, we do all our in-house designs so I'm not purchasing some design from some guy and just putting my name on it we actually do it right there in fact i I do the mass majority of the designs to be honest with you and then uh, we tweak them there at the end and most of all our stuff goes through about three years of um, of perfecting so we're not trying to pump out a bow every nine months you know you'll see us Every couple of months we release not a couple of months, I'm sorry, every couple of years we release a new product, but it's after we've been testing it for a while. You know, it's so what we try to do is get you a bow that when you put it in your hands, you know it's right and it's not you're not being my test bed out there. Um, some other cool things I see people post all the time, they're like, Man, I just don't know how you guys do it, but somehow you've done it and this bow is incredible. And they're not really directing it at me, they're just directing it in general. It it may be somebody I I don't personally know and it, it makes you feel good when you see those kind of statements, because it lets me know that I'm doing my job and it lets me know that new breed is doing their job. And we're just, you know, we're making, we're making quality products for you guys.
1: Well, and I think, you know, it's evident if you go to the website, I mean, even your RK one, which is your, your traditional series there, Oh, yeah. You know, it's it's evident having spoken with you now to see that New Breed is a is a living embodiment of you and your passion across all realms of archery, and and I think the most important thing I look at, especially in the outdoor industry, because this is a small niche uh, market. I mean, let's be real, mm-hmm. the hunting market is a, is a relatively small one compared to a lot of others in in this country. I think the important thing for me is I always look at brands and who they associate themselves with. And if, if you look at, you know, I met you through Dave and Byron of the whitetail experience, couple of just outstanding fellas. I mean, I talked to Dave. Well, probably not as much as I talked to Byron, but I talked to Byron probably on a weekly basis. And we, he is always sharing tips like, Hey man, this photo would have looked better because of this. Or, you know, I learned this about social media engagement numbers, how we can boost them, you know, and organic. I mean, just constantly pushing uh, each other to grow and and to see y'all associate with people like them. That just tells me everything I need to know about your brand. And and I'd encourage people to to look at who's associated with each brand. Um, On that note, Byron, Byron told me to tell you that uh, his goal this year is to uh, shoot two uh, really big bucks on public land. And in the event that he does, he's expecting a uh, Whitetail Experience Signature Series uh, to be launched fall 2019. Ooh, all right. Well, there, there's a go- <laughs>
2: hey, there's a goal, man. We'll go for it. We'll figure it out. Um, yeah, we'll have to talk to him about that one. Yeah, that, sound, that sounds cool. I And I'll share this, too. If you look up... Um, who really is behind the scenes uh, yeah i do a lot of social media but i got a guy that josh combs he's our he's our social media director and uh man if i don't mention josh i'd, I'd be mad at myself um uh, he's a hunter to start with but he's also pretty uh creative dude and everything that he does creatively evolves in this world so i mean he's not out you know he wasn't some just, you know, Hey, I think I'll take pictures of flowers and now I'll take pictures of animals. He, he originally started out like, Hey, we're going to take pictures of animals and we'll figure it out. And he's a bow hunter. And so, uh, you know, that's who you got to get involved with. And, and so I've got the right people that are helping me out. And, uh, there's some other people I could mention, uh, you know, the Colton Watkins is our lead technician. And like I said, really, really great guy. And he knows a lot about it. He shoots archery. And so we just got a lot of people, um, that's involved in our company and you know you mentioned the rk1 so i'll share this you know we teamed up with striker i did the riser and they do the limbs and i always sell myself is this way so i'm i'm a pretty even kill guy uh i was just the ford shelby to their their car i mean i was just uh the shelby to their ford is what i meant to say um you know they already had they already had a great bow i just got to do the aluminum riser but um uh, I'll share this. Rick has a ton of knowledge, and uh, he's a great traditional archer. And so, that bow has been fun. And one thing I'd like to say about it is, I, I've gone to a couple of traditional shoots, and like, man, Kyle, the bow shoots good, and it's awesome. But you know, these wood risers just have soul man, if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking about traditional archery, if you hadn't figured out that RK1, it may be made out of metal, but there's a lot of soul in it. Um, (laughs) so I like to share that. It's not just some machined out on, you know, some guy programmed it and never touched it, man. We we've had our hands all over that thing. So, uh, just keep that in mind. We might be the, we might be the first archery pioneered metal riser, uh, soul bow, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome, man. (laughs) Uh, yeah, we're the first, uh, metal riser, uh, traditional bow that actually has soul is what i like to say you know
1: absolutely well bubba unless unless you got any final thoughts i kind of want to cut you loose so you can get back to your family
2: yeah absolutely man listen i had a great time with you um i appreciate you Uh, we got to get you in a new breed so we got to figure all that out man so uh, we'll be on. we'll be talking about some of that um also i want to share this just listen if you're listening to this and you've been thinking about bow hunting just do it just go do it if you're a bow hunter do it a little bit harder. I I put myself to the test every chance I get. And, uh, you know, don't hurt yourself, but at the same time, you know, set some goals. What was it, Byron set there, so that's pretty awesome. So, uh, you know, I've set some personal goals for myself this year, and, and if they come true, then awesome. If they don't, that just means you got to work out a little harder next year, right?
1: That's it. That's it. All right,
2: man, well, thank you.
1: Guys, if you enjoyed this podcast, and I know you did, hit that subscribe button, and don't forget that we're still doing a a decal giveaway for anybody who does a a rating or review. Send me a screenshot, and uh, I'll get that decal out to you with the next shipment. Until next time, y'all get outside, go enjoy the outdoors, and have a blast.